is absolutely stunning from Johnny Russell. A firecracker into the back of the forest net, and it's four for Derby. Jackman, it's um, welcome on. I always, I was always going to say that the day I got you on, it'd be the last podcast and retire it, but it's. Um, it's exceptional circumstances, so let's let's get on it, man. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, don't retire, Blake. Don't retire. You're uh, you've not even peaked. <laughs> oh, mate. Difficult times in it. How are you feeling about it? Can you sum it up? Not really, mate. To be honest, not really. Uh, combination of uh, disbelief and uh, I suppose is a, a, an element of just feeling numb at the moment because it is an unimaginable concept, isn't it? Derby without Derby County. So, um, it seems like a deadline has been set and I think the only proactive uh, action is from now until then, just any means possible, man, just do whatever we can to try and influence the situation for the good. And there, there are steps that we can take, the steps that we have been taking, so... These things give me a like a, a, a sense of promise, but it's just frustrating when it's it's, it's out of your hands, isn't it? How confident are you that will there, there will be a derby county after February the first? Are you resigned to it, or you you still got hope? I refuse to believe it. I don't know if that's me being naive or what, but I feel like it's 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 part of a much wider issue. What's happening with derby? It's under a organisation that has been the subject of a massive review. Um, but, you know, you look at what happened with Berry, and, and you see that it's not impossible. So um, I'm, I'm confident that our, our fans and everyone associated with the club, uh, everyone associated with football or with an interest in football, um, obviously excluding, you know, the aforementioned clubs that are uh, trying to do everything in their power at the moment to see our demise seemingly. Um, yeah, I, I'm confident that the footballing community will help uh, come together and get us out of this tricky spot that we find ourselves in. It's a difficult question to answer and I've asked it about 15 times today, but what does Derby County mean to you? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's you know it's been handed down to me from uh, my own heritage. Um, my, my granddad worked there, so my, my grandma is uh, she she stays on top of of Derby County affairs. Um, it's like the main thing me and her talk about, um, you know, and and the, the history of that club within the town is. Uh, a colourful one and, and, and one that you derive a massive amount of pride from locally. So, so yeah, I, you know, it won't be an exaggeration to say it means everything to me. I spoke to, um, to Adam Buss today from the City of Culture. I'm part of one of the voices to try and get the City of Culture to Derby. And he said one of the biggest reasons Derby had got to the stage it had with the City of Culture was there was a pride within everybody in the city of being from Derby. And the pride of Derby was one of the reasons they've got to the last eight. And that cut me up, man, because we're a city of 250,000 people, roughly speaking, and we get 25,000 people at home games, and that's one in 10 people. We're a one-club city, yeah. and it cuts me up, man. We're a proper footballing city. Yeah, that we are, yeah. Yeah, by definition, one-club city, as you say. And um, there's, there's a fierce level of pride. I think that, that comes with that. I mean, it's, our ground's called Pride Park, and that's that's fitting. Um, you know that 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 term fits us. Um, you know, when a, a, a rich history, which Derby Football Club is is a part of. Um, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd support the uh, the City of Culture bid um, wholeheartedly, um, but at the moment, it, it just the the idea of of you know, let's let's say that is a successful bid, and you know we've, we're a town without a football club. You know, it's like a unimaginable dire state of affairs. Well, I'll let you go shortly, but can you remember your first Derby County memory? Oh, yeah. getting getting pissed on. <laughs> what? Getting... Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, getting pissed on at the baseball ground. You remember the toilets? Yeah, man, like a trough. There, was, there wasn't, there wasn't a urinal, was it? It was just a trough. <laughs> just a hole in the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, I was sort of like, I was, I was kid, so I was sort of about cock height, you know. So where I was stored, just um, a load of splashback off the wall from, uh, you know, people queuing up to piss there. That was my first memory of the baseball ground. Um, <laughs> and then uh, on the pitch, for some reason, I've never been able to forget Asanovich getting twatted clean in the face by a ball. Um, it looks sore. But I've, I've never got that out of my, uh, my head. But I have a terrible memory for football matches anyway. You know Niall, don't you? O'Dwyer. Yeah, yeah. He's freakish with it. He'll be able to tell you what... Um, what game on what date and what the score was and what the times, what player scored and that. He's a freak. You want to talk to him about what Derby County means to him. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to. He's he's next on the agenda. He probably won't be able to operate without it. I'm concerned for him more than anyone. Wow. I saw a Actually, I saw a picture the other day of George Thorne in the crowd in a former Forest game, in in a Forest game years ago. And you were sat near George and Niles was with you, I think. And it reminded me, I need to message Niall. Yeah, yeah. He's still going, mate. Still at it. Still doing what he does down the Blacksmith's Lounge and that. Top spot in there, mate. Jack, mate, um, thank you for doing this. Quite Listen, Blake, we'll be all right, kid. Do you know what I mean? Whatever happens, happens. And if we've got to go down the race course and start again, then so be it. Do you know what I mean? We've always bounced back at Derby. And good things have happened when we've been uh, relegated or in the shit so you know whatever happens happens but we'll be back mate have you still got your boots <laughs> I've knocked the fags on the head I think <laughs> mate you know, we could do with a little nippy striker <laughs> <laughs> whip it elbow <laughs> rangers elbow <laughs> rangers mate elbow, elbow till we die <laughs> yeah. hey, top man mate we'll have to do Mate, my last ever episode is going to be you. I'm going to have to pin you down at some point and do a proper sit-down, man. But thank you so much. Yeah, sound as. We'll have a little chit-chat, mate, when I've, uh, when I've got a story to tell. Yeah, respect, mate. All right, Blake. Listen, keep up the good work, man, yeah? Thank you so much. And up the Rams, Jack. You keep up the good work, man. Thank you, mate. Doing us proud, doing the whole city proud. Respect. Top man, Blake. Appreciate it. His comments. Jonathan Baker, Twitter famous, Derby fan. Yes, thank well, you very much. Second appearance. I think the first time was when you was the first person in Derby to have COVID or something along their minds, wasn't it? I gave you the exclusive, Blake, um, shortly after I spoke to East Midlands today at BBC Radio Derby. I've been asking this question and it gets more and more difficult every time I ask it somebody because it's. It, I think it's quite difficult to sum up, but what does Derby County mean to you? Do you know what? Until this week, it's something you kind of took for granted, but when... <laughs> Just listening to people on the radio, what seeing all the tweets on Twitter, you think actually, yeah, this is pretty pretty big part of my life. You'll see the tweets and you're something it's like I'm not an emotional person at all. But throughout this, I see the tweets and some tweets they just stick with me. I'm like, oh flipping heck. It's like I don't I'm getting a bit teary, like listening to this, watching this. I think, yeah, it must have been quite a lot to me. Um just to think <laughs> It's crazy, Blake, to think that this time in 10 days, two weeks, there might not be a Derby County. I don't know. Madness. Can you remember your first Derby memory? I can. It was the baseball ground, um, Middlesbrough. It was Middlesbrough. The first game was Middlesbrough in the Cup. Was it a quarterfinal? Was it last 16? I'm not sure. Um, I remember being quite young. Um because at the time, I was, I kind of grew up for the first 12, 13 years of my life as a Man United fan. Uh, my brother was a big Derby fan. I think mainly as a Man United fan because I didn't like my brother. Uh, that's changed now, everybody. We're good friends. Um, so, yeah, for those first 12, 13 years, it was Man United. But I went to this cup match at the baseball ground thought, wow, this is weird. And then Pride Park, first match. Don't know. I was there for the opening. Got a free carton of milk. Went with school. 
to see Her Majesty. Uh, that's probably the first memory, I say first memory in the base of the Pride Park. That is the first time Pride Park opened, so it's bound to be the first memory. I remember going to that, I remember going to that and it was absolutely chucking it down in the morning. I remember going to school and it, and it being really, uh, it raining quite heavily in the morning. And then, yeah, very surreal when you look back at what, what we what are our kind of first memories must have been mental for the generations that went through that that only knew the baseball ground and then that all happened it was just normal to us yeah they knew it like for, for them it's like wow we've got a new stadium oh wow Premier League football yeah at the time when we went and as I say I wasn't Derby fan I was about thirteen but um, it was just the norm to to be in the Premier League and just think of that now that's, that's ridiculous isn't it. That's why we're in this. That's why we're in this trouble right now, trying to get to the Premier League. Could you, could you pick a favourite Derby County memory? Well, there's only one, isn't there? Like, to be honest, I was quite underwhelmed with uh, the Wembley appearance, 2007, freezing cold day. Um, it was, it was fine, but I left. Obviously, got promoted, Stephen Pearson, but nothing compares to Jack Marriott's winner against Leeds. I've never shouted so much. I was downstairs um, just watching TV with, with Hayley and I was just screaming. She didn't really know what, what I was screaming at, but I did not want to go to sleep that night. I ran down to my parents after the match and just wanted to talk about football. Um, so I, I did that and, God, that, that was such a good moment. It's up there with like Luke Shaw's goal in the final, Kieran Trippier's goal in the semi-final. Um, Brilliant, brilliant memories. What would you do finally? Like, does it seem real? And have you planned for a life about Derby County, or are you not accepting it yet? Um, no, I don't think I'm accepting it just yet. Even though it feels like it might happen, uh, I keep I keep joking that I'll go and support Alfreton because they're my local team. But would I support Alfreton? No, I wouldn't. I've got no affinity to Alfreton. I've got no affinity to any other club. Would he even carry on watching football? Yes, I would. I, I pay £80 a month for Sky Sports, so of course I'm going to continue watching football. But You've brought up the problem, Jono. <laughs> I, I am, and I will not comment any further on that issue. But uh, don't know who I'd support. If Derby came back as AFC Derby Athletic, would I support them? Probably. Would it be the same? Doesn't feel like it, does it? Do you know what? Did you ever think there'd be a point in your life where uh, supporting Alfreton would be considered being a glory fan over supporting... <laughs> The Derby Club. Uh, hey, nothing against Alfreton. Great club. I've just got no affinity to them. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but I mean, the point I was making is they, they yeah. might be in the, like, the highest highest level, aren't they? Apart from Chesterfield. Yeah. Yeah. So it's scary, man. It's scary. Prediction for Saturday? <laughs> Do you know what? Every single match Derby have played in their history, I think I've predicted them to lose. So, um, 6 0 Forest. Uh, Let's say two, let's say two nil Forest. I think. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I like you thinking. I think there's going to be goals. God, imagine, mate. Limbs, absolute limbs in the way end. St John's ambulance just walking around, sewing limbs back on. <laughs> oh, I'd love to be there. I really would. Oh, thank you very much, Jono, for for coming on, mate. Uh, and thank you for your help. We we worked together once, and you was very helpful to me when we were were colleagues and. I'd like to say you had a small part to play in Talk Derby to me happening because you kind of trained me up a little bit. So thank you very much, mate. Oh, Blake, you're an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> See you in the fog. Sada. Welcome back on. Sorted over to me, Brett James. Is this your hat trick appearance, third time or second time? Second, mate. Second. We had a, we had a first one when uh, yeah lockdown hit and had to close everything. Uh, and yeah, second time, mate. Are you fully recovered from that yet, or not yeah, on the way? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, we had a really really busy end to the year in 2021. January is usually quiet anyway for most pubs and venues and things like that. But um, the end of the year was actually one of the best ends of the year that we've ever had we had our busiest month ever in October 
2021 with just under 3,000 people coming to gigs and shows and stuff. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty big numbers. Derby in general, um, Derby County, this is what we're talking about today. Can you sum up how you feel at the moment? Just a bit like deflated by it all, to be honest with you. Um, just really, yeah. It's the not knowing, it's been out of the loop. I mean, I'm not expecting to know everything every lawyer knows or anything like that but it's just like there seems just to be so much dirt that keeps coming out every 48 hours or another claim or just another statement I think we had four statements today from various people and it's just you know it's a you know we're not all lawyers we're not all accountants but it just seems that like there's just too much like crap coming out do you know what I mean and it's just just hard to keep on top of really and work out what you think is best for the, the club and what you think might happen it's, it's, we had a quick chat before and it's, it's like we were saying that it's not like other situations when clubs have been in admin where they go, right, oh, we need four million by next week and we'll be saved. There's so much more to it that we can't get our heads around. I think that's harder. I think that's why it's hitting fans so hard that they can't, no one can get their heads around it. Like, we don't know what we can do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's easy to say, oh yeah, Borough dropped the claim, Wickham dropped the claim. It's not as easy as that. Like the legal proceedings at the end of the day, aren't they? And it's just, it just... You know, unless you're a lawyer, you don't really understand these types of things, do you? You just sit on Twitter and watch watch a DCFC hashtag blow up. Yeah. Are you? How do you feel at the minute? Do you are you confident that we'll we'll go into February as a, with a Derby County Football Club? Um, not really. No. Um, from what I've read and what I've can kind of gather, it, it's it's going to take a real last minute bid to to save us. I, I believe. I, I don't think Borough will back down, Wickham might back down. Um, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure on these people at the minute from social media and like when you see the outpouring on Twitter and Facebook and that and Instagram, it's absolutely brilliant and it it, it shows what this football club means to this city. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried that like, this is the final nail in the coffin, really. I, I really do. Yeah. I've, I've asked everyone this that I've spoken to today, what, can you sum up what Derby County means to you? Can you put it into words? It's a difficult one. Derby County is probably the only thing, apart from a family, that's been there all my life. Like, I, I, my, whole, my whole family supports Derby County Football Club. Like, it's been there since I was, you know, able to remember. I've always had a Derby County shirt on. I've always been going to the baseball ground or to Pride Park, you know. Been with my dad, been with my granddad, been with my uncles, been with my brother, been with my mum, been with every member of my family, like going. Uh, and in a city like Derby, where there isn't too much going on, like sports wise, like the rugby club's a small rugby club, the um, cricket club, you know, isn't as prestigious as other cricket clubs. There's not another football club in the city. Like it really is like the biggest thing that we've kind of got. And it's just really, it's just, yeah, it's probably been one of the only constants in my life. And it's what connects like me, my family, my friends more than anything is that football club. Can you imagine life about it? No, not really. Not really, mate. No. No, no. No one's asked me that. So, yeah, you've, stumped, you've plumped me then, mate. No, not really. Doesn't be boring, would it? <laughs> It's not as if you can just go and pick another football club or just, do you know what I mean? Like, go somewhere else. Yeah. It's not as if you just go down the A52 because, you know, it's not going to happen, is it? Right. Can you remember your first Derby memory? Right, I was talking to my dad last night about this and I remember being in the baseball ground and I'm pretty sure it was Derby v Coventry, right, in 1996 when I'd, I, should, I would have been six or seven. But he says it was before that because I remember eating some Smarties and I'm, I'm one million percent sure that Paul Simpson scored and the Smarties went everywhere. And I just I just celebrated like crazy, just screaming. Um, but he seems to think it was a few years before that and we couldn't work, actually work out what game it was. Um, we worked out that it was Derby played Coventry at the baseball ground in 96, 97, once in the league and once in the FA Cup. And we won both times, but in both games, Paul Simpson scored. So we couldn't kind of put pinpoint it down. So, no... No, I can't remember the, the actual... It's around then. He, he seems to think it's 94, 95 when I was five years old. 
but maybe, maybe I just can't remember that. I watched one of the Coventry, the FA Cup one, because Derby were 2 0 down and 1 3 2. I watched it on YouTube the other day, actually. It randomly popped up. And yeah, I remember. I, I yeah, can't yeah. Re- yeah. yeah. Paul Simpson on- scored. Dion, Dion Dublin scored for Coventry, right? And it's weird that I remember this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's my. Well, it's the first game I can remember. Yeah. Let's put it that way. There might have been one, one or two before that, but my dad, my dad might have just got Mardi that I was too young, do you know what I mean? And not focusing on the football, do you know what I mean? But, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm the same. I can remember going to West Ham um, at home and I, that's my first game I can remember because I remember a West Ham coach coming past with a smash back window and I, asking my dad, being dead young, going, why is that window? Like, oh, don't worry about it. But he, but he swears that I went to a game before and I can't remember. I'm exactly the same. I must have gone being young and just been oblivious to it. But can you pinpoint your favourite memory? If you could relive one, go back and relive one Derby County moment that you witnessed, what would it be? Oh, mate... I think that um, that game against Southampton yeah. really sticks out in my memory. Yeah, just because of the drama of it all, and then like the pitch invasion and stuff like that. Um, and I've got a few like family and stuff from Portsmouth, so it made it a bit more made it a bit more special to beat them and to get you know just running on the pitch and stuff like that. I mean. Every time we beat them down the road, mate, is magical. That 5-0 is probably the greatest day of my life. So, you know, that, that's up there. Um, there's a lot There's a lot of good games. I enjoyed it. Did we play Brighton in the in the playoffs and just yeah. absolutely demolished them? Yeah, Will scored that back heel. Yeah, stuff like that, mate. It was just, just magic, mate. Yeah, there's a lot of good memories, a lot of good memories. I'm probably going to have to go the, for the beating Notts Forest 5-0, to be honest with you. That's incredible. Yeah. So, I would have called him Notts Forest as well. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Giving them the time of the day, mate. Yeah. I mean, for the benefit of the listener, I am sat with no headphones. I'm in the corner of a pub in Nottingham. So I'm taking hands a little bit. What, what are you doing Saturday? Are you going? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a ticket. I've got a got ticket. ticket. I, always, I always buy an away membership, mate, at the start of the year, just in case Forest comes up early or there's a big away game that comes up early. I can, I can, you know, get a ticket straight away. I think we'll do it. I think we'll win. Uh, you know, I think we'll win. I've got, I've, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to put somebody on 1 0 and 2 0, mate. I, I think we'll win. I think it's going to be a good goal. team. They're a good team. I think they're a good, good team. But I just think, yeah, the the, the backing that we've got and the, the fight that they've got at the minute, mate, you know, the way we played against Sheffield United, mate, you can't see us losing against many, many teams. No, it's, it's incredible. I did a podcast with a Nottingham podcast yesterday and they were saying like it's it's mental from the outside looking in if you look at Derby everything that's going on and you look at on the pitch it's like it's two different clubs yeah 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 100% mate I mean what what the job that Rooney's doing like and, and you know you've got Rosinia as well you know they, you know they got a lot of flack and a lot of stick and you know I was one that didn't really want Rooney to be manager I thought there needed to be someone else but in this moment of time, I can't think of anyone better. Anyone with the, the fight and the spirit and the, the just the sheer resilience to prove everybody wrong and get us out of it. I, I yeah, I, I don't, can't see any other manager have been able to do it really. If we get through the next few weeks and continue the season, do you think we could stay up? Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. After the performances that we've had, the, the problem that Derby's always had is we've always struggled against the bottom like eight teams in the league and done really well against like the top three, four, and then drawn against everyone else. So we need to start m- making these, you know, like the Reading game when we drew two all and we were two nil down. You know, it showed great fight and character to come back to two all, but we should never have been two nil down against that team. And then you look at their their results since that when they get pummeled by Fulham and whatnot. So. I seriously do think we can do it. I mean, yeah, that's if we get past January, mate. But you'd like to think that if something happens and there's a deal to be made, that you might be able to bring in a player or two in January, right at the last minute, you know, just to say, look, let's get this body in, let's get that body in. Because, yeah, you can't lose Marshall, Jagielka and uh, Shinny and not replace them, really, yeah. just in like a squad sense. You, you've, you've got to have their numbers because... God forbid Curtis Davis hurts himself, you know, <laughs> that's how close it is to the season, to going down, I think. But who knows, the FL might drop us another three points on us or whatever. Well, yeah, we, feeling that day, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very true. 
it's been brilliant as ever. I'll probably see you on Saturday. Before you go, what, what have you got coming up at the venue that people can look out for? Uh, mate, we've got the first show of the year with Carl Barat on the 28th of January. So Carl's um, in the Libertines, Baby Shambles, stuff like that. Um, so he's coming up. And then there's a few newer bands, The Claws, The Lounge Society. Um, and yeah, to be honest with you, mate, most of the work I've been doing this month is just getting things ready for, for this year. A lot of shows that are unannounced. Um, but yeah, just um, keep checking the social media pages and we'll, we'll announce as much as possible. Top man. Um, I, think you've done, I think you've done a good enough job to get in front of Jack on the podcast, so uh, I'll have a look when I'm editing it. 100%, mate. Yeah, I should be. Yeah, I should definitely be in front of Jack. Needs to be in front of Jack on the credits as well, mate. Everything like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cheers, Brett. It's been a, it's been emotional, mate. I'll uh, speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Well, what does Derby County mean to me? Well, it means so much. It's that social contract that we sign as a six or seven year old with absolutely no idea of what the future will entail, but there'll be dramatic highs and pretty big lows. And so wherever I am in the world, whatever I'm doing, at Saturday, three o'clock or an evening game, I know that my mind and attention will be focused elsewhere. It's easier in a world of Twitter to keep up to date with what's happening. But I remember times before that, sort of being in the salt flats in Bolivia, desperately trying to get updates and some marginal internet connection to find out what was was going on. And that's always been the case. No matter how well the Rams are doing, whether they're in the Premier League or whatever division, whatever form they're in, you cannot help but have your attention and focus diverted for those two hours on a Saturday afternoon. And that's why it means so much. And again, because it doesn't matter how well the club are doing, that's why that we're gonna get through this period. It is one of the darkest hours in our history, but we know that we will get through this because the people of Derby will not let this club die. Right, I've, uh, I've done a few of these today, all over the place. The Zoom link's available if anyone wants it. I'm currently sat on a train on the way back to Derby. I've recorded a podcast in a pub in, um, well, I won't name the place, I don't want to swear on the podcast, but the place I work, I'm on the way back. Jamie from Derby Retreats is on. Jamie, how do you feel, man? Yeah, that's the goal. It's the golden question, isn't it? My, my emotions change on a, a bit of an hourly basis, depending on, on what I'm up to. Um, I spent the last couple of hours just watching over old footage of Derby and as much as I'm happy about stuff, there's obviously that feeling of, um, you know, I don't really know what's to, to come. But, hey, what, what will be will be. It's out of our control at the moment. All we can do is uh, keep supporting the team. And, yeah, I mean, a, a win on Saturday would be uh, would be nice, wouldn't it? It's long overdue. What, what are you doing for it? Are you going? No, I didn't get a ticket, so... Just at home, mate. Just going to shut the curtains and, uh, yeah. I'm one of them people I can't really watch. If I'm not at the game, I can't really watch. Like, I can't watch it at a pub. I can't really watch it with too many people. I just need to be either on my own or with my old man and just, you know, just sit there quite quietly, really. I don't really make too much noise when I'm watching the football. I just kind of, like, drink it all in and, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to really watch it in a pub or anything like that. So, What's your Derby County story? So I'm from Cambridge originally. Um, my old man started following during, I suppose, the glory days, Brian Clough. And yeah, I think there's only ever one, ever one team for me. And, you know, growing up, I had all the Derby shirts and was lucky. I suppose, I reckon me and you have probably a similar kind of age. So we grew up with a similar kind of, you know, players. And when I first got into things, it was Aranio, Bayano, you know, Stimac was maybe a little bit before my time, actually, when he was in his glory days, I guess. But, um, yeah, there was only ever one team for me. And, yeah, just kind of went from went from there. Went to my first game when I was about 10, I think. We're, it was Man United at home and, uh, yeah, we drew one all. And I still look back at that Man United team and think, how on earth did we draw with that Man United team? Like, the, the names they had were crazy, but... I think that was just a reflection of how good 
we were playing under Jim Smith at the time, really. Um, and then, yeah, like, like I said, I think from from there I had a couple of season tickets and uh, and yeah, follow you know follow us around as, as much as I can, um, get up to Derby as much as I can, and uh, and yeah, been there for majority of stuff and, and long may it continue, I guess. At the moment, you you kind of count in the days. I'm looking forward to Birmingham, but just hoping it's not the uh, the last one. Have you begun to imagine life potentially without a Derby County? Yeah, I think maybe this week it's kind of sunk in that that is that is a potential. Um, and yeah, it's hard it's hard to think about because I can't realistically, you know, I can't realistically see me having any affinity to any other club. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's it's something that I've thought about, but I don't think about it for too long because yeah, it's uh, it's not something you want to you want to kind of digest really. But I'm I'm still hopeful that there will you know there will be a way that we can um, we can kind of be saved and we won't know I guess and, until the next couple of yeah until until probably that kind of deadline. But the next next week or so is going to be it's going to be pretty dreadful and I think obviously it's me we live in a day of social media and media and I think my personal opinion is probably going to be dragged out until the end of the month and it's going to be you know a, a last minute kind of as the clock's ticking saver attempt by by someone but I think the response to the fans and you know and the club and everything you, you can't ask for anything more from a fan base, a group of players, or a, a club in general. So we're lucky we've we've got that as a, a kind of foundation. Because if we were, you know, a club that had six thousand at games and had a team that were not really fighting for the club, and you know we we're already down, then that would be a, a different story. So at least we've got that. I suppose it's a great point. Like, how important do you think it's been? I've never I've not asked this to anyone today. I think how important do you think it's been? the performances on the pitch because it's like two different clubs. I said this to someone earlier on. It's like two different clubs. If you looked at Derby County on the pitch, Derby County off the pitch, you won't think they're the same club at the minute. Do you think that's important in, in getting someone in? Yeah, I do. I mean, if you're a, if you're a you know, a, a prospective owner looking at this team, you look at it and think there's quality there. And like, if you, you add those 21 points, we, we could potentially go on a bit of a run for the playoffs. You know, we're, we're by no means, I tweeted out the other day and said, I used to think we were better than three teams in this division. I actually think we're, we're probably better than the majority of them. I think we actually are, especially over the last couple of months. I think we'd we'd give anyone a, a game in this division, home home and away. Um, so, yeah, I think from from that point of view, if, if you're looking at that, that team and thinking, uh, yeah, is this something that I want to kind of buy into? I think you're looking at that and thinking, yes, I do. We've we've got a proven track record of developing youth. Um, I think that is probably the you know the only thing that Morris may have left us is that that kind of quality in terms of the youth. You see, kind of you know Thompson coming through, and I think there's there's more players to, to come through from from the academy. So yeah, I think the team's in a, a good place, um, and I think. I, I, I do think that we could stay up. I really do. I know some people are saying, oh, it's still a big task, but I, I think we I think we could do it, definitely. I'm confident. I think if we get through, I, I'm, I would put money on it. I'm not a particularly a betting man, mm-hmm. but I would, the performances this season, it's just, ironically, it's one of my favourite seasons ever. Mm-hmm. Because there's no diversity between the fans of like, should be doing this, should be doing that. You go to games like Stoke and Reading. And yeah, yeah. Everyone's just behind them. It, it, yeah. It's weird, isn't it, at the minute? Like, even Twitter, everyone's united. There's no Derby fans that are good against mm. each other. It's the first time in my lifetime I've heard that. The infrastructure's there, the club's there, the manager's there. You know, everything's there inside the club. So, why not? But, of course, there's things that have got to be taken care of. It's not as simple as, um, yeah, just kind of taking it on obviously with, there's a lot of kind of red tape around it but he, he's hoping that that gets sorted out and we can we can kind of move forward and who knows if we stay in it I think if we stay up this year we've got a good chance we've got a good chance as any next year because I don't think this leads you know you look at some of the results like Luton beating Bournemouth 
Um, anyone could beat anyone. And if if you have a settled 11, a settled squad, and you add a bit of quality, who, who knows? I agree. Right, I'm going to close with the last two questions that I've asked everyone, because we've got to do 10 minutes for everyone. Yeah, of course. Favourite Derby County memory? I think the obvious is probably Forest 5-0. Um, yeah, I was, I was behind, I was in the, the North stand for that game randomly. I managed to get a complimentary ticket. Um, so, yeah, I was quite behind the Russell the Russell goal. And, yeah, that was pretty um, pretty amazing memory. Um, I think best, of, yeah, either that and then best away day, I always used to like Peterborough away, obviously, because it's not too far from, from me in Cambridge and packed out standing when they were standing in there they're away and that used to be that used to be pretty good as well we used to be loud there so evil yeah either one of those but I'd probably lean towards the um the Russell the Russell goal and, and forest deforestation what I'd give for that and what I'd give for that on Saturday I'd pay a lot of money I'd pay a lot of money I'd give you everything I've got <laughs> I'd walk around naked for a few weeks <laughs> yeah Mate, I, I, I take a one nil right now, obviously. Um, but yeah, if we could put a few past them and shut them up, that'd be that'd be lovely. I think there'll be goals, mate. Uh, I, that's my prediction. I went on a, uh, a Forest podcast yesterday, and it, it just said, "What's your prediction?" I just said, "Goals." I just think it's going to be goals on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think the way we play at the moment, we always look like scoring. Um, so yeah, confidence is obviously high. Well, mate, thank you so much. And uh, your your Twitter page at Derby Retweets, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And you've really backed it. it. And you've like you've really backed told Derby to me from the start. So bet that, mate. Thank you. Yeah, mate. I well, yeah. I mean, I have listened to your stuff for since you started doing it. The George Fawn, I think, for me was the the massive kind of eye opener and a bit of a scoop. So um, yeah, no, keep doing what you do. Hopefully, uh, we get this uh, Derby uh, City of Culture. Um, yeah, keep doing the, the good work that you're doing, mate. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Cheers, man. And, and if there's a Derby County past February the 1st, let's get you back on, mate. And, uh, we'll yeah. The podcast yeah, I'll, I'll be up for that, mate. For sure. Respect. Thank you very much for coming on, Jamie. I really appreciate it, man. Speak soon, mate. Take care. Derby County is everything to me. As long as I've known what football is, I've known I support Derby. It was passed down to me mostly by my mum, who to this day tags me in everything to do with the club on Twitter. Growing up, we had a season ticket in the North Stand. We used to wait for autographs after the game. Graham Richards was the soundtrack to so much of my younger years when Derby were away. We used to go see the reserves at the baseball ground, lurk at the training ground on Rainsway, costing players like Spencer Pryor and Richard Jackson. As I grew up and family moved away, Derby has remained a constant. Throughout all the changes, ups and downs, Derby's been there. I've had a season to get in all four stands. I can't imagine Birmingham City being the last game. I left the ground in a hurry against Blackburn before Covid hit and regretted it throughout lockdown, wondering when I'd be able to sit in my seat in the south stand again. To think that this time it could be forever is devastating. To be a football fan without a club will be horrendous. The love of this club is something that defines me. It's something that I share with my family and the vast majority of my friends. On holiday, I'm the one who packs all my Derby shirts, hoping that someone recognises the Ram. They always do. I spend so much of my week sat on Twitter talking about Derby and I upload videos to try and keep the rush of a win going into the week at work. As I started with, this was all passed down to me. Probably the greatest gift I got from my parents. Now I'm a dad. I want to pass this on to my son. Welcome on to Talk Derby to me, Spencer Pryor, all the way from Sydney, Australia. It's uh, 2.33 in the morning here, so <laughs> thank you very much for coming on, mate. You're mad. <laughs> I know. Why are you sleeping? Don't you sleep? Not at the minute, mate. There's a lot lot, lot going on, isn't there? Mm, yeah. Be nice if it was some good stuff we could talk about, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's, you, not, it's not brilliant. Are you keeping an eye on it from, uh, from afar? Yeah, and while the stuff's going on that's so good on the pitch, the stuff off is obviously dominating. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, a tough few weeks, months. Yeah. <laughs> it's not nice. And 
one of the memories, so people are doing, I don't know if you've seen it, hashtag my Derby story. And I, I told all these stories about, and one of them that popped up was a picture of me at South End in 2000 and uh, I'm going to say 2011, I think, your testimonial. And I went in Mick, yes. I went in Mick Derby's taxi to South End away on a Tuesday night. And it was the same night that Arsenal played Man United in the Champions League semi-final. It was. And, yeah. And I went in Mick Derby's taxi. And I remember Robbie Savage uh, overtaking us as we got onto the island at East Midlands Airport and going like flicking the Vs going. Aah! And he went in his own car. And I got Robbie Savage's boot, which is still up here from it. So that was one of the memories I shared. I came all the way to your testimony at South End. Oh, mate, that was so good. Look, it was um, it was a really weird scenario because we'd already moved to Australia. The club had given me this benefit game. Funny enough, they'd given me the last ever game at Roots Hall as, a, as part of my contract. Thank fuck I didn't take them up on that because they're still there. <laughs> like, they haven't moved yet. So I'm proper buzzing that I didn't use that. And in the end, it got to a stage of saying, oh, look, let's just have a game. Let's just get it out of the way. And to be fair, Cluffy Nigel was brilliant, right? So he said, yeah, we'll send a team down. And the club, I mean, we didn't get a lot of people rock up, right? It was all done proper last minute. The club did nothing to support myself on it at all or anything. It was all self-promoted and... It was good to get it out of the way. It was lovely to play against Derby, but not only play against them, but play for them as well. So I played the first half, I think, for South End, and the second half for Derby, which was really good. We'll start from the very beginning because we'll, we'll, we're we're up against it a bit time-wise. Yeah. Not working in the morning, but where did it start for you football-wise? We always start and talk Derby to me. Where did it start for you football-wise? What professionally or just? Oh no, from the very beginning. Like, what can you remember when you first got involved? So I. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a South End boy. I grew up down there and uh, my hometown team was one called Hawkwell Athletic. Under nines, won the league first year. I played for this team for about four years and then I decided that I needed to move when the coach wanted to do a basketball session in the gym. And I went home and went, Dad, I can't do this anymore. He's like, no, nah, get, get you out. So I joined a team called Whitecaps, which was really good because the connection there was a guy called Paul Heffer who worked for West Ham in the academy, but he was also very, very, very involved with South End United. So I did four years with them and then joined South End, literally straight from school, YTS, 20, 20, 28 pound 50 a week. Was that the was that the, the traditional YTS where you're cleaning boots and, and it's a proper apprentice? That was it. <laughs> That was it, the real proper apprenticeship. £28.50 a week. We washed the boots, we washed the kit, we did the boots, we did the terracing, we did the cleaning of the changing room, and in the summer we painted the changing room. Um, and sometimes we did football. Sometimes we got to actually train and play. There's proper skivvy labour, eh? £28.50 a week, plus expenses. And you've got no idea how much you can milk the expenses from Hockley to South End. It's about three stops on the train. But you could put, you could max it out so much that you live off your expenses rather than the money. And I'll never forget, you used to get your money on a Friday in a little brown envelope, the cash come out, and it was always market day at Roots Hall. So the first one we'd be doing is going and getting a bacon and egg sandwich or a sausage and egg sandwich from the market and all we'll sit there like little kids with our lovely sandwiches and that was our treat for the week so it's 28 pound 50 year one 35 pound a week year two and then went professional after that wow we had simo on uh paul simpson a mm. couple of weeks back and then igor last week and i spoke to simo because he's been involved in the youth game you're still involved in the game and I said, is that something that's missing now? And he said, well, we need to try and find a middle ground between the old YTS and the under-23s. Somewhere in the middle would be would be good. What do you think? Yeah. Look, we can't ever go back to that because <laughs> it's child labour. <laughs> um, and it's kind of illegal. So we need to move away a little bit from that. But we do need to get back to a stage where the younger players coming through earn their stripes and get to value a professional football career, but not just that, you know, the 
it can't just be that at 17 or you're getting a professional contract and then you're going and buying a BMW or a Merc or whatever, driving around in a Range Rover. These kids, you know, we need to see, you know, you need to ground them a little bit and get them to earn their stripes and understand and respect the profession and realise that it's, it's actually um, a privilege, not a right to be a footballer. So I think that that might have drifted away a little bit and the resilience is, you know, has kind of gone. We, we really had to be super resilient, but it wasn't just that. I mean, the camaraderie was next level and the banter was incredible. And, you know, even at a club like Southend where we were, I think we might have been in sort of League Two or what was the old third division at that stage, maybe even the fourth. But the uh, you, you valued and really appreciated the opportunity. And I think that's kind of been missing. But yeah, we can't go back to that. I also do feel, don't get me wrong, that the education side for players off the pitch is really important. And it's a very short career football. So support them in that. And yeah, we, we, we're kind of churning them through and then we're losing a load in it before they get to the under-23s, right? So how much football they're actually playing and, and their development, I think, is, is something that's a bit fractured in the game. Did you plan for life after football while you were playing? Did you think, when I finish, I'm going to have to do something or did you just have to fall upon something? Big time. And you know what, right? So I finished, we've kind of cut the middle bit out, which is fine, but then when I finished playing... Even while I was at Southend and I went back there, um, I started doing my coaching badges because I'd always wanted to consider coaching. But it is kind of a natural thing to want to go into. People want to stay in the game as long as they can, play as long as you can, and then try and stay in it, whether it's coaching, uh, strength conditioning, whatever it is, people were looking, scouting to stay in football. It's, it's super tough. And once you finish playing, your your salary falls off the edge of a cliff, literally. And it's not, you know, it's no wonder why we see so many players having mental issues, actually, because it's not just the financial side that falls off a cliff, it's your social networks, it's it's your day-to-day routine that you've kind of been in. And um it's something that you know I I experience to a certain degree. But I've managed to get myself a completely different career now, doing something outside of football as well as doing some coaching in football. But um, I'm also doing, I've gone back to school. I'm doing a psychology degree as well, just to try and support my own football knowledge and my own experience of what I can bring into football using tools that I develop outside the game, if that helps. Yeah, we'll get to Derby County in a minute. Mm. being at Southend and then you go to Norwich and go there how did that move come about how did that come about look I um before I went to to Norwich I'd actually I'd I'd had a couple of good years at Southend I'd actually broke my leg and missed 18 months playing um at that time I was I was looking at potentially going to West Ham under John Lyle but that didn't materialize or continued at South End and you know I knew the time I was never going to make a, a living a professional living from playing at South End it was like I, ne- I needed to move on and um, I had to choice of two clubs um, Wolf, I was talking a lot to Wolves at the time and then also um, with Norwich but Norwich playing in the European UEFA Cup right so it was a bit of a no-brainer to look at that and and go and experience that. Um, you know, being a young lad, twenty-one, moving away from home with my wife was, or with my partner at that time, was a a big step. You know, to to go and live on your own, be independent, and just go and try and be part of what was going on at Norwich for the season. And Oh, I really loved it there and got to play in the European games, which was great. And um, it was all part of the reason why I joined them. Did you play when they famously beat Bayern Munich? Yeah. yeah I'll tell you what, right? So the, the, thing with, the thing with Norwich was Mike Walker used to play 
He used to play like a 4 4 2 or whatever, but he'd go to a back four for the home games. And then when we went away, we'd play three at the back with wing backs. And that naturally meant that I would get in the side and Gary Megson would be punted. And Meggie, Meggie hated it, right? Because he knew, he knew that come like the Munich game, he was Gonski sat on the bench and I would be playing. And Meggie finished up playing in the home games and I would play in the away games. It was just kind of how it worked. Um, so I got to play in that game, which we, we got there. Nobody gave us a, a sniff. No one gave us an absolute sniff. But, you know, we started the game really brightly. We got a couple of goals and then... Brian Gunn was superhuman that day and managed to make some incredible saves. And we, you know, no one, no English side had ever gone and won there in Europe before. So it was a, a massive feat. And um, yeah, super proud to have played in that game. Is that up there, career highlight wise? Yeah, there's a few. I, I can't say there's one standout game. Well, I can't, but it's 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 less of a a big, big game. But it, it would be up there. I mean, you know, having played at Wembley for Leicester as well and and won the League Cup, there's a, there's quite a few, you know, whether it's stuff with Southend, beating Man United. There's, there's different games that I look at, but I don't have one defining game in terms of, uh, like, massive that people go oh yeah that that's a real sort of cherry on the top funny enough one of my big yeah I've my, my biggest game one of my biggest games was actually for Derby but we'll talk about that one later well yeah we'll, we'll get to that because mm. you mentioned mm. Leicester you went you came to to Derby via Leicester and we spoke about like teammates that we've had on that that you played with like Igor and stuff but you, you must have played mm. with Tav uh, as well I did no, so I was already at Leicester when South came in and um, South rocked up. So we were already training and we're down at Beaver Drive and South rocked up in his yellow Porsche or whatever stupid colour it was, parked it in uh, Martin O'Neill's no, car parking spot. And um, let's just say that the car got absolutely battered by the players we egged it and floured it and like you don't need the gaffer's car parking spot um but that was sav right so yeah got to play with sav down at leicester and we had a we had a really good side actually and it was martin o'neill create put this team together of if you like misfits of people that went on to have super successful careers um but we were a, a I'd say we were kind of a bunch of guys that were given second opportunities. You know, I mean, I, I, I left Leicester and followed Martin, but whether it was Sav at Crewe and Neil Lennon went in there from Crewe, Muzzy went in from West Ham and Chelsea. And, you know, we were guys that all felt we really, really had something to prove. And Martin really was super successful in getting the best out of us with regards to that. I was going to say to you, what was it, what was it about that Leicester side that enjoyed the success? Was it Martin's management and picking characters and, and rather than, uh, alongside ability kind of thing? It was, it was uh, a, a, a group of players that were the absolute grinders. We were the grinders. So we never gave up and we could grind out. We, we might not play the best, but we grind out one nil wins. Or if we were one nil down, where we keep going till the ninety eighth minute and jag a draw or get a win, um, and we were very, very, very hard to beat, but also super like good personalities, good physical condition. We had some super, you know, we had some really, really good footballers in the side as well. But yeah, just a good collective of players that were put together by the gaffer. And he set the team up super well. We we took responsibility for knowing who we were playing against and the individuals we were going to be marking. And he he gave us that that accountability to know who we were playing against and know their strengths and weaknesses. It was something that was really, really good from Martin in terms of giving us that. Why did you cross the divide to the, the best team in the East Midlands then? <laughs> well, funny enough, so what happened was um, 
it was the it was the first game of the season against we played Man United and I and I did something to my neck in training so I missed the game and then at that same time or just before Martin had brought Frank Sinclair in so Frank had come on board I missed that game and then I played in the Resi game in the week um, for Leicester against Derby at Pride Park uh, sorry at the BBG and I was doing it as much for fitness to get myself, keep myself going and get myself, sort of keep myself match fit or get myself match fit because the season had just started. And um, I played in the resi game and then went back in, trained a bit. I think I might have missed the next game. And then I got a tap on the shoulder and and the gaffer said to me, look, uh, in fact, it was John Robertson. Robo came out, spoke to me and said, look, gaffer wants you inside. He said, I'll tell you what's going on. We've had an offer. Um, so go and have a chat to the gaffer. So I walked in um, and Martin said, look, we've had an offer for you. You know, it's from Derby. You know, I'd, I'd go and have a chat to him. If it works out, brilliant. It's a good opportunity for you. If it doesn't, you're always welcome here and there, there's a spot for you. So I was like, all right. You never like to be the player that's that the gaffer's moving on, particularly when you want to, you don't particularly want to leave. But at the same time, when they say, we've accepted an offer, then you're kind of thinking your time's up. So I, I went down or I called, um, I called the PFA, who I was using at the time, and Mick Maguire came down with me and we sat down, talked to Jim Smith, went round, had a look at Pride Park, loved it, lovely facility, really liked the setup, went down the training ground um, and done. Before you know it, we, we'd agreed and it was... It was kind of, yeah, all right, well, let's get on board. So we agreed terms. After we agreed terms, Jim Smith then announces that he's he signed us because he's flogged Christian Daly for a massive amount of money. Seven. We're like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> We're like, you bastard. If we'd have known that before, we'd have, we'd have squeezed some more money out of you. Um, but that was it. And then I was in there right now. I was in Derby, and uh, yeah, look, it was it was an amazing setup, amazing setup. The staff were next level, next level as a as a whole staff. You know, Martin and Steve Wolford at Leicester were outstanding, but the the setup at Derby was next level in terms of standards. The and and facilities. I mean, the training ground wasn't the best, but you know we had uh, we had the the meeting room with the with the lazy boys with the you know, massage chairs before training, and Bill Bezic would be in there giving these little chats and psychological stuff that we would be doing, and, and Roundy would spend so much time with individuals, and Dane Farrell would be out with us. And, Obviously, the stuff Stevie Mack would do would be superb on on the training pitch, and it was just an epic environment to walk into to work with some really good staff. Healthy food that I probably hadn't eaten before, like the food at Leicester was a little bit different compared to what we were getting at Derby. But then I, it was kind of what you know. That's why Chicho and Stefano were there because they, they wouldn't have put up with the food that we were getting at Leicester, by the way. So. You know, it was it was a really, really, really professional environment, and and something that I I really embraced. It's not surprising, is it? Because I, I I've said this before a few times, but people that I've had on that have either played for McLaren as a manager or played under him as a coach, mm. always him right at the very top. But then Steve Rounds got oh. right there as well. So that setup, they've all gone on and kicked on, and we were kind of the first to do a lot of the things that we're doing, weren't we? We're massively the first, and. You know, going back to those lazy boy chairs that we had, the company that did that stuff for us for us went on to create Prozone. So we were the we were the, the, the guinea pigs, if you like, for for that stuff. And you know, Roundy was Roundy and Steve Macker at that time were way ahead of their ahead of anything else that I, I'd come across, and. Um, 
yeah, used to love, love training, love, really, really love training and love the, the, the day-to-day rocking up at the training ground and the sort of stuff that we were doing on the park and off the park was, was epic, you know? Steve, Steve um, him and Roundy worked really, really closely with Bill Bezik and the three of them obviously went on to Man United and they, they were super tight and could tell it was a unit, a, a, a good coaching unit that delivered stuff to give us, uh, uh, it, it, they, they really took into consideration, into consideration the holistic approach to a player's development and getting the best out of people. Do you think Steve, uh, Steve McLaren, Steve Round and, and, and that group leaving, do you think that was detrimental to Derby at that time? Probably, but you can't blame them for going to Man United. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not hanging them out to dry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of probably did, but at the same time, like, that was the calibre of, of the, the people. You know, they went into Man United and helped them win a treble in 99. And that's the mark of the success of, you know, everyone looks at the manager, but the manager is only generally as good as the, the backroom staff he has that support him. You can't you can't be Robinson Crusoe thinking you can do it all on your own. Yeah. Um, and, and you need good, really good support staff around you. And those three were epic. Like they were epic. And I can't you know, can't forget Dane Farrell with his fitness stuff that he was doing and implementing. But the the tactical sorry the the, the tactical stuff that those guys were doing to help us as players, but also Bill was doing, helping us mentally was epic. Like I really, I still talk to Bill now. So, wow. you know, that's that's how close and, and how important he was in terms of, of my development. And he is part of the reason why I've gone on to think and look to do a psychology degree now, because players are weak, hey? Players are so weak now. It's just not even funny. and. Um, yeah, they all play. They, they seem to play with a lot of fear. There seems to be a lot of fear in players at the moment, something that is really fascinating for me to see and um, how you get that out of players. So. I know you've not got long, but we, I've, I've got a couple more. But right. just, just on that, yeah. do you yeah. think that could be like a social media generation thing? That Would you yeah, maybe. read about how, how bad you've been rather than ignoring it for five days? Yeah, maybe. I think, you know, the players are coming in, the changing rooms, first thing they're doing is looking at their phones and they're trying to just assess what people thought of them rather than actually having confidence in themselves and their own ability. Yeah, look, it's it's all about ego and, and ego, you, you do need an ego to be a successful footballer, but how are you going to pick yourself up if you're getting booed up, you know, or you're, you're giving a ball away or, you know, are you going to go in your shell or, or are you going to back yourself and your ability? And, and not just that, but the managers as well, you know, how are managers managing players and dealing with players? Are they, are they really getting the best out of players now or are they, are they ruling by fear that if the players don't perform and that they'll be dropped or they'll be sold on? So, it's a it's a really complex one that you can't fix it in five minutes. But you know it, it's it's I I just think players play a lot with fear now, and and yeah, social media is driv- driving that. They've all got they're all on it. So yeah, ma- massive. So I, I had two to finish. I'll I'll give you them both. So you yeah, after your meeting, favorite gym oh. trip story, and. We touched on it earlier, favourite Derby County memory. I think it might be what you was going to say earlier. Well, look, my favourite... I'll, I'll do the, the, the memory first, which is my game against Leicester, which was something I'd been really building myself up for from the minute that I'd signed for Derby. And, you know, we were setting the team up. And, and you know, I was I was talking a lot and Jim would sit down with me a lot how are they going to play what are they going to do how are they going to set up we knew we 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 prepared so well for that day where we absolutely smashed Leicester smashed them at Pride Park and 
you know, marking the meal was 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 uh, loved it, loved the battle, and you know, I got the the reception that I got from the Leicester supporters was so good. I was really, you know, I was I I felt like it, it was a great day, um, but also the reaction from the Leicester fans was really really kind and something I really will remember. But I also do remember seeing Martin O'Neill after the game and going up to him and and him shaking his head and being like, oh, well done and calling me all sorts of names under the sun. But yeah, it was a, it was a great day and something that I really do do cherish and really remember as, as, a, as a highlight of my career. Um, I can't, it's not even a funny story with Jim, but, you know, Jim used to be the worst person. We, we, in terms of, he used to take training on a Thursday. It was Jim's day and it was at the BBG and it was painful um, in terms of it just coming, he'd absolutely smash us and undo all the good work that Jim, uh, that, that Macca and Roundy have been doing all week. But Jim would come and do that, and uh, yeah, then we get back to the back to runway on a Friday, and training would be fun and, and enjoyable again. Um, I would say I, I'll never forget the conversation that I had with Jim when he actually told me, "I don't know whether to give you a great big fat contract or sell you." <laughs> Where does that come from? I hadn't even seen it coming. To be honest, I didn't even see it coming, but I didn't even realise that. And the irony is, I was sold to balance the books, and I didn't even realise the financial situation that the club was in at the time. And yeah, I was sold to balance the book. And then we went, then then I caught up with Bill Bezik after, and he goes, "We've actually just had a meeting, and I've just been told, like, he said, we just had a meeting, and we've sat down, and we've gone through all of the players in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, technical, tactical, physical, mental." We've graded everybody out of 10. And he said, not being funny, you've come out as number one. If we're in the shit, you're, you're at the top of the list of the players that we will pick. He said, Jim's just walked in halfway through the meeting and gone, right, I think I've sold Spencer Pryor. He's <laughs> gone, oh, and they've all gone, what the fuck? You've got to be kidding. So, yeah. I loved it under Jim. He was he was a super personality, very, very, very well loved, loved man, and and you know we miss him. It's a shame. I'll leave you there because you've got to go to a meeting. We'll have to have a part two sometime, Spencer. I do. Yeah, love to. Would love to. And if you want to do it soon, we can have a chat about all the shit that's going on at the moment. All right. Yeah, we will do, mate. Thank you very much for joining, mate. I really do. Lovely to see you. Take care, Bob. Take care. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.